because I literally thought I was going to die. And then, or I, I knew I'm like, this is how I'm going to die. And then, um, realizing I had a second chance at life, like that's what made me like not be afraid anymore. And so as the years have gone on, like I mentioned, I'm three and a half years sober, I'm becoming more open and less afraid to share. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, competitor. Jake here, your chief encouragement officer, and welcome to today's podcast as I'm excited to welcome in a friend and a former High Rocks World Doubles Champion as we talk about the importance of how you talk to yourself, the road back to recovery, to sobriety, and why you've got to have a focus and passion for the work and not necessarily the outcome. There's a ton of value in today's conversation, so I want to encourage you to sit back, relax, and get ready to hear some value bombs dropped by Lauren on ways you can start getting better today. I know we're approaching the middle of the month, and so you probably missed the start of the January challenge, but guess what? It's not too late to get joined in before we kick off February. So what I want to challenge you to do is click the link in the bio or the show notes below to join our February challenge. All you're going to do is get signed up, learn how you can get plugged in to our upcoming monthly challenge. We have a new challenge every single month this year designed to make you better physically, mentally, relationally, financially, and as a leader impacting those you work with. So click on the link in the show notes, get signed up for next month's challenge, get joined in so you can start with this on day one and start getting better in 2024. Now, without further ado, let me welcome to the show my good friend from OG CrossFit days, Lauren. Lauren, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. We go back, gosh, probably a decade back to the old South Central CrossFit regionals landscape. Uh, And a lot has changed since then, obviously, on both fronts for both of us. But now you are one of the top, well, I would say the mixed world champion for High Rocks and heavily involved in that sport uh, as an athlete. You do coaching and programming outside of it. And so before we dive into competitive mindset and, and all of that, Take me back. Take me back to when you first learned of High Rocks, when you started transitioning, I would say, out of CrossFit hardcore uh, into this new style of, I would say, competitive fitness. Fitness racing. Yeah. Um, first, I want to say we're the 2022 mixed doubles champs. There's, okay. there's definitely a new one out there for 23. So I want to make sure they get credit. Um, but we were kind of like the original back in 2022. But the sport's growing so much that we're getting more more and more competitive athletes out there, which is awesome to see. But yeah, so we met, um, I think I was trying to figure this out, but I think it was when I was living in Oklahoma and I was, okay. at one of those, maybe it was regionals. I don't know. But, um, back then I was head coach of a gym in Oklahoma. 
Um, and then I had the opportunity to take over a gym in Dallas. So then I moved to Texas. I owned a CrossFit gym there from 2017 to 2022. And um, with CrossFit, um, I have been competing in CrossFit like since 2012, never anything like spectacular, but just doing the local throwdowns and everything. But it really, I give CrossFit a lot of credit for helping me find my love for fitness. And um, throughout like my time kind of writing programming, being a coach, it's kind of developed into like, um, I've kind of changed a lot of like my mindset with training and everything. But I eventually heard of Hyrox from one of my members at my gym in Texas, and um, he knew that I was a former endurance athlete. And so he's like, this is right up your alley. And what I loved about it was that it took all like the very technical aspects of CrossFit out and just was very work capacity focused. So meaning no Hanson walking. <laughs> I think I had done like four competitions with Hanson walking where I just like fell on my face, like in front of everyone. So I'm pretty used to like that humiliating myself in front of everybody. But um, yeah, so I was like, this is great. Nothing technical, I'm not held back by anything gymnastics wise. And it's purely like endurance strength and definitely like what I'm really into kind of at a core level. So then um, from there, I was, I started working for High Rocks, building the brand in DFW. My CrossFit gym was like a hybrid gym. So we were High Rocks affiliate also. And then I ended up moving to Chicago, which is where I am now. And with High Rocks, moved here for them. And then um, was have been in charge of the programming, the academy or education, and a lot of the training aspects of that. So that's my nutshell of where I'm at. So uh, there's, a, there's a number of things that have been part of that journey that I definitely want to dive into and pull back a little bit. Uh, one is that you were world champions in 2022 with your husband, right? Yeah. Yep. So training together, competing together, you don't often see that. Uh, not a lot of sports. Do you see that, right? You're already like, we're already spending as much time together as we can all day, every day. How do you two balance the, I would say teammate-ness with also the relationship side, right? Uh, because I think with any healthy relationship, you've got to call each other on their crap. You got to hold each other accountable. And we oftentimes think about it in sports, but maybe not the same with those people that were romantically involved with, committed to. So talk about the dynamics of competing with your husband consistently, and then obviously getting to the highest of levels with him. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting kind of that you bring that up because he was not into high rocks at first. And the only way I was able to get him to, um, do it as, as a doubles with me. And so we were training together and we had kind of, if we want to get into like our addiction too, it's kind of part of it, like why we were able yeah. to train together. Um, but we definitely kind of, that was something that we, we found out how similar we were, like once we got sober and, um, and it just worked so naturally that training together. And then we got into Ironman first. And then, um, once we switched to high rocks, it really was more so, um, I was like, oh, we would be a great pair because we're pretty similar athletes. Um, but then when it comes to the training side of things, like as a significant other, um, it's definitely changed like over the couple of years we've been doing this because we just had, we just did mixed doubles in LA two weeks ago now. 
And it was kind of funny because we didn't train together at all leading up to it. Like we don't train together hardly anymore because we've done it so many times that we kind of mastered it. Um, and we're, we both need different things mentally when it comes to training. But back then it was more so about perfecting like our pace and our strategy. And, um, but then still approaching training differently because we both do need very different things. And I really comes to a mental thing on that. Um, I will say though, like racing together, it's the only thing I've not, I've only done, I haven't done uh, doubles competitively with anyone else. And it's like easy to get like pissed off when you're like hurting. <laughs> so I'll get like actually like pissed if he like, it's kind of funny. I don't know if he's overhearing me right now, but he's comes <laughs> in. Um, like after the sled push, he like finished the push and then he made me, he took off on the run and I was like pissed. I'm like, don't make me finish the push. And then it's like that kind of thing. I don't know if I was like with someone else, like a friend, if I would get pissed off at a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very different dynamic. One of the things you said there I find interesting is from a training perspective, mental, you both need something different. And so Mm -hmm. you train separately. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about you. Like, how do you train your mindset as well as when you're in that, team setting and we'll say kind of this part two of the question if you both need something different you train separately how do you know when to push each other's buttons i would say in a good way during that competitive environment yeah i mean by needing something different it's my like kind of like i've been wanting my mindset when it comes to training to be like i never want to feel obligated to do something and i never want to like hate what i'm doing so my training has always been like, what do I want to do today? Like, cause I love, I love training. I love programming. I love, um, just working out in general. So it's not, not even very, like, it's not like I designed specifically for like us to go do a race. It's more so like, what do I want to do that day? And luckily the things I want to do are kind of that endurance, um, strength. Like I do a lot more CrossFit type stuff than Mark does. Um, whereas he is, he does, he doesn't do CrossFit. <laughs> um, but I am very much in the mindset, like I'm going to do what I need today. And, um, with him, it's like, he has his one hour at like three in the morning that he gets up and gets running around the bike. And I don't do that. And so it's like, we're just different from that point of view. Like he just doesn't want to do the same stuff I do. Um, and I think the second part of your question was when do we know to like actually train that's evolved over time as well. Like when we were competing together at first, we trained a lot more together with strategy and everything. And then we had probably done mixed doubles before worlds in Vegas. That's when we won probably like four, four or five times. And then we had to kind of like perfected that technique. And then after that, it was like before, and then we had worlds 2023 three, which was in Manchester. And we did like one workout before where we like tested out one or two, where we tested out like our paces running together. But, um, at this point is it's, it's so easy because we just, we know what the other's thinking and we know what the other needs. And I think that's definitely something that you don't necessarily have with a friendship with someone or even a regular partner. So I think that that really helps, but it's like, honestly, we don't, we really don't work out as much as people think we do together. Cause now we're just like, we do our own thing. <laughs> yeah. Noel, and, and I was about saying in Dallas, you did individual when yeah, you were here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has he done individual as well? Yeah. So, um, he did, uh, well, that was kind of our plan this year was to do more individual focus. Cause we both finished off our seasons last year really well. He ran a 61 and 
I ran a 68, which was relatively competitive. Um, and then we were wanting to focus on individual and then um, working for the company. It's really tough to kind of get in the, the racing that you want when we can't always race, we can't always train. Um, and so he hadn't, he hasn't even done individual get this year. And so, which has been a challenge for him, but, um, that was our plan this year was to do individual. And then we just haven't had the opportunity. And then we did mixed doubles in, in, um, LA just the other weekend. And, um, that was just mostly like get him moving and racing again. And I think we're gonna go back individual for the remainder of the season. Okay. Okay. So you, you teased it a little bit and would love to unpack some of it, uh, as well, if you're game, but you talked about y'all's, uh, both of your road to sobriety. And I know there was a period where you were struggling with alcoholism and also owning the gym, which a lot yeah. of people are like, how, how would you have this like health and fitness and do this? Talk to us a little bit about that journey, because for people who have followed you that are listening online or in the CrossFit space that have known you for a while, we've seen the transformation in yeah. you uh, mentally, physically. But as the person going through it, what was kind of the wake up call? Um, and then kind of what was life like, we'll say before and after that wake up yeah. call? So when I met you um, back in like 2016 or whenever it was, um, I was kind of like a I drank a lot, but I wasn't like controlled by alcohol. I was definitely a person that drinking probably a little too much, like Thursday through Sunday. Um, and then it definitely, I was like, hmm, I wonder how fit I could be if I stopped drinking, but I never really had the desire to stop. But then when I met Mark, like he and I were so similar in the way that we both um, were enablers. And so we enabled each other and like, we both kind of had bad at drinking habits. And then all of a sudden, like from us just meeting and being on vacation mode and like, Ooh, like, like you're so fun to hang out with and drinking every day. It's like, then suddenly it became something where we like, couldn't stop. Um, we had a really short engagement or no, we, we met each other, um, and then got engaged like eight weeks later and then got married. Um, I don't know, six months after that, but we kept being like, Oh, well, we'll worry about it after we get married and we'll, 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 we'll get our shit together, um, after that. But then it just get started getting worse and worse into the point where like it was drinking daily, but not only like daily, but literally waking up at four in the morning and half having to drink before coaching. And, um, over about two years, it went from, this is a lot of drinking to like some bad situations and then to like evolving into like, I, for, I would, it would be the equivalent of about like 18 to 20 beers a day, every day for, for up both of us. Um, and it, it became such a secret and no one knew what we were struggling with and, um, owning the gym. Um, obviously it was something that was very shameful and very, we were very, very secretive. And over the last, now I'm three and a half years sober. So it's, becoming easier to talk about. And I want to share because, um, because I know that there's other people out there. Cause I thought I was alone and the only one. And I just want other people to, to know you can get through it. But, um, anyway, like, like I said, it was a secret. Like we literally, um, our office in the gym was like filled with empty beer cans, like hundreds and hundreds of beer cans. Cause like we couldn't even keep up with the trash. And we would literally hide in there and take turns, like being drinking in the room. And, um, people, my clients say that they didn't even know 
And so everyone always asks, like, how couldn't they smell it on you? Or like, how did people, how weren't they able to tell? And I think it became such a, we were just so functional. And um, I don't know how they couldn't smell it on us, to be honest. Maybe they're just saying that. Because <laughs> it <laughs> like embarrass me, but. Um, well, in the gym, there's a lot of other smells too. That's there. true. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, it was, it became the point where like, I had accepted, like, I'm going to die this way. Like at that, at that time I was 28, 29. And, um, I was like, it was a horrible feeling, like feeling like you're just trapped and can't, there's no way out. And, um, then COVID happened. So this was all before COVID. Oh shoot. Sorry. My phone's trying to ring. Um, we can edit this. You're good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think I'm back. I lost your screen though. Okay. Um, so yeah, COVID happened and this right before COVID happened, I would say it was like really close to rock bottom because I had already given up. Um, I, it was a habit to like have beer already in the fridge the night before. So I could like wake up and like just function and without shaking and like being ill. Um, and then my dog died and it was like super traumatic because it was unexpected. He had a, it was like cancer, but it made him collapse. And it was like, I was like, I, um, definitely used alcohol to like, I was like, fuck it. Like this, it was really traumatic and I was drinking and definitely not afraid. And, or I was, um, totally using alcohol to get through it and be like, I don't care anymore. Like I literally didn't care. This was in February. So then anyway, then our gym shut down in March and then I really didn't care. Um, and I was like thinking like, well, this is my life. And, um, my husband actually, he was around the same as me. Like we were so similar in like our drinking habits, but he like, for some reason on, um, one about on April 1st, he's like, fuck it. Like I have to be done drinking. And he just stopped. And, um, for me, like, I don't really believe him. And suddenly it was like one day he was sober and then it was two days and I still didn't believe it. Um, and first of all, if anyone else is listening, it's really dangerous to stop drinking cold Turkey like that. So I'm telling him like, he's really lucky that he, uh, didn't have any, like, you know, you can die from like stopping cold Turkey. And for me, like, um, for me, I I guess I've kind of forgot about going back to the rock bottom, like rock bottom was us like being broke, um, literally doing anything we could to it's like our life was like one six pack at a time. Like I was pawning jewelry. I was, we, our water got shut off. We were literally like going to the bathroom outside. Um, and that was one of the many rock bottoms. Um, but anyway, he stopped. And then for me, like, um, the only way he, I guess I would say he inspired me to stop. Um, and then he made me realize I could. And then the way I stopped was, I signed up for a half Ironman and I signed him up too. And this was on like April 27th of 2020 and, um, signed up for the race. I was like, okay, this race is November of six months. And I had to create my own like training plan of like decreasing my, my alcohol intake to safely like, um, withdraw because I called rehabs. I, it's like really hard to get in. It's really, it was thousands of dollars. They couldn't take me until June and like, I couldn't afford it anyway. So um, I ended up writing out like my plan. I'm starting with like 18 beers, 16 beers, 14, 13, 14, 12, going by two every day. 
And then over 10 days, like I lined it up. So when the gym reopened, I was like my one day sobriety. So um, from there, from before and then after, I'm trying to remember hitting on all aspects of what you asked. Um, it was very like, I still have nightmares about alcohol, like weekly. Like I always dream, like it's constant. And it's like dreaming you're taking or you're drinking again or going back down that path. So, yeah. So my dreams, it's really weird. It's always like my dreams, they're not like nightmares in the sense that I like blacked out. It's more so like I'm drinking casually and I'm like, oh, I used to be sober. And it's really depressing to me that I like went down that path again. I literally had a, like, it's many times a week that I have these dreams. So it's very much like in my self-conscious conscience still. And, um, but like our life completely turned around. And since then, and it's just like going back to, um, that really was like the turning point of, of everything, I guess. And it really, I felt like it was almost like recovering from a terminal illness because I literally thought I was going to die. And then, or I, I knew I'm like, this is how I'm going to die. And then, um, realizing I had a second chance at life, like that's what made me like not be afraid anymore. And so as the years have gone on, like I mentioned, I'm three and a half years sober, I'm becoming more open and less afraid to share. It took me a solid year to even tell anybody really what I was doing. So I think people, I was also 170 pounds, I weigh 140 pounds normally. And so I had gained weight. Mark was like 275, like we were both overweight and, um, suddenly like I just started getting in shape and I don't know if people like noticed that, but over after that first year, I started sharing more and, um, that's really what inspires me to like live the life I do because I have that second chance. And, um, I want, it's, it gives me, it kind of like reinvigorates me for life, you know? And so as the time has gone on, I'm less afraid to share I'm more open and it's very freeing to, to be at a point where like you literally could tell anyone your worst thing you ever did, which would be like literally taking a shit in the backyard because my water is turned off. Um, not being afraid to say that because like now um, it's all out there, you know? And so being honest with yourself and others is like so freeing and um, it really has pointed my life in a direction where it makes me kind of not have that fear, you know? Um, so hopefully maybe that was maybe answering parts of your question. <laughs> no, no, but. no. I, that super, super helpful. And that there, there's a ton of different things I could pull out there. One of the things I'm curious about is as you know, obviously after a year, you start talking to people about a little bit of this, you've said it there yourself, like the world's out there. They know like biggest fear, like they know, whatever, go for it. How has that helped you from a, I would say as, as you're competing in training of really just not giving a shit what other people say? Yeah. I mean, when, um, I don't know if I even mentioned this when we were recording yet, but when I have been leading our Harvest Academy, our certification course, like we talk about mindset training and, um, that's a big thing is really learning that no one really cares about you. It's like, oh, everyone's so worried about themselves, caught up in themselves. No one really is thinking about you. No one really like, and to run your own race, like that is, that's what matters and never caring what anyone thinks because everyone only is worried about themselves. And I think so many people are afraid to 
sign up for a race like Hyrox or, or any kind of competition because they're worried what so-and-so will think or what people will say, or they don't want to get last. I think like the population that struggles the most to sign up for an event like this or any kind of like fitness event is people that appear fit, who their peers think they're fit, who have a, they look fit, but they don't want to go and have their results uh, for everyone to see when they're not winning, you know? So people are like, oh, they'll, they'll do the race when they're ready or when they're fit. I'm like, well, and they're, and they're afraid other people think that, and they're really like hindering themselves. And I feel bad for those people because they're missing out. And that's kind well, of their, their identity is so tied up in the outcome yeah. of how did I do at a high rocks race in Dallas? Exactly. When in the grand scheme of things that has nothing to do with your value as an individual who you are, like it's, it's a measurement. Yeah. What did you do well? What do you need to do better? And too many people like, are so concerned about what others think that, or they, or they just like, don't believe, I don't know. It's, and that's something where like a lot of my passion now is just convincing others that they can do it and to not be afraid and to really, to put themselves out there. And I think that so many people are held back by, by fear in ways that cause them to just like, um, miss out on opportunities. And, um, and that's what I want to really help people change, you know, cause there's, there's so many people out there that, that, um, that never think they can do something like this. So, and that's, and once you're out there and I, we use Howard's as an example, obviously, cause I was working for them, but, um, being out there, it really makes you feel like an athlete, no matter who you are, no matter your fitness level, if you're walking the whole entire thing, you're, you, you feel like an athlete, you're out there with thousands of other people and no one knows where you are. No one, um, knows what, what station you're at when you started or your finishing time. And that's, what's really cool. Cause like when you're out there as a community, um, everyone's out there together doing the same thing. And, and that's the kind of camaraderie that I want people to feel that they can be part of. I love that. Well, and that's, you know, it's, it's interesting. You said that in a few, cause obviously I had my first experience last month, like an idiot signing up a few days before and saying, Hey, let's see what happens. Uh, but for those listening, like I had to walk essentially speed walk. Like I was at the mall in my nineties, yeah. the last three laps, because my calves were shot. They were cramping. I couldn't run. Uh, and I'm speed walking around the whole thing. And all like, you're just talking to people. Like you're encouraged. One guy was like, dude, you're walking faster than I'm running. I was like, man, <laughs> you don't even know what lap I'm on. I don't know what lap you're on, but that's the beauty of it. And that's, that's really what reminded me some of the old, like the old school CrossFit comps back when we did it in like 2011 and 12, what I loved about them is, and I'll never forget being at the games in maybe 2011 and watching the girls do the clean and jerk ladder. Mm -hmm. And as girls would finish, you would see like a Lindsay Smith out there. They would be encouraging everybody else yeah. and they would be cheering on the other people on the floor. And high rocks had that same feel where I told people this afterwards. I was like, if you weren't old school CrossFit, you might not remember this, but it's the idea like we're cheering for everybody and like we want you out here doing your best. And the people like for those that are like intimidated work, I have those same, like I'm an athlete at heart. I don't want to show up at a competition and not do well. Like I am 100% like ego drives that, but yeah. I have to remind myself like you have to test yourself. Like unless you're testing yourself, you're not growing, you're not setting benchmarks. And to that point, like the people that do well, that are focused on being best, like they're never going to be the ones dogging other people. 
like the people that are successful that want to be great are not the people that are going to dog you. It's the people who are not doing as well as you. Who are the people who are own worried about their own ego. And so the high rocks competitions, I just can't say enough great things for because there's teams, which we had, I had friends do. We, we had partner or doubles, uh, same gender. You could do the mixed gender. You could do individual, which is what I did, but it was a cool experience because you literally have outside of the two to three people who I knew were in my heat yeah. because we all ran out together. You have no idea where anybody on the course is. You have really, no idea where they are. Such a great thing about it. You know, it kind of like going back to like when I was talking about high rocks, my handstand walking, yeah. like, you'd have a heat of eight, you know, and then you can't move yeah. forward until you can walk on your hands at the time. I think it was like eight feet and you have to yeah. make it eight feet before you can like stop. And so for whatever I was doing is like 12 minutes, like you have to start with a handstand walk. And so for 12 minutes, I, people are literally watching me fall on my face <laughs> and, um, you have to, and that's like the polar opposite of what high rocks is because no one knows where you are. And I think that's huge. And I think that once people realize that and they get over that, like that internal fear of like, um, worrying about what other people think, like then they'll get out there. And like, when I see the people out there walking on the outside or, um, that honestly, to me, like, I just want to give them like high fives and being like, like, I genuinely like care so much about them. And I'm like, you're a badass for like yeah. being, doing it. So, well, you used to do, you would do triathlons and stuff. Like I remember I went and watched, uh, Neil, I'll give you a shout. I went and watched a, a friend of mine was one of my coaching clients do a half Ironman. And when we got up there and I'm watching people get out of the water after the swim, I'm like, how did, how did you just do it? Like, I'm shocked because of different body types. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's not about speed. Like I'm just moving. I'm continuing with it. And, and to that point, like for those listening of like, well, if you don't know, like where you are in your heat, it is truly you versus you because it's you in the clock and it's how much discomfort you're willing to take and how much do you want to push yourself? And then you finish and you say, okay, what did I do? Well, where do we need to get better? And for me, it was the transitions. I would always get into that area in the zone, grab some water and try to catch my breath. So I never broke on the exercises, but I spent too much time there. And so now when I do it again, it's like, okay, cut down rest here, focus on this, but you don't know if you don't push yourself. And there's all sorts of people out there. Also, there were a couple of guys out there with weight vest on that. I was like, have mercy yeah. on y'all. Like I feel for you. There's people out there of all shapes and sizes, just doing it. And so to your point, you said it so well, like everybody out there, high five, it's a community event and it's a really cool experience where there's not a technical clean or lift or movement that, that we used to do that could keep you from doing this. You can hop on a rower, you can throw a wall ball, you can do burpees, you can do lunch. Like just, it, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be ugly, <laughs> right? You're exhausted. Yeah. You're running yeah, yeah. an 8k doing it, but it's worth it. Okay. So, uh, on those lines, one of the things I'm interested in is what's always fascinated you about the endurance sports space? Well, that's kind of what I've always done. I mean, growing up, I started off as a swimmer as a kid. I was pretty competitive as a kid and then um, got pretty burned out from that. And then um, my parents were endurance athletes. And so my dad um, and my mom always had me out at 5Ks and 10Ks when I was a kid. So that was always something that I had always done. Um, and then my sport in college was cross country skiing or Nordic skiing. And so that's for anyone who doesn't know what that is. It's, uh, 
it's basically like skiing up and down hills. <laughs> I'm like, um, so it's not downhill skiing, um, but it's you're on you're still on technical courses that are very hilly. We have been on the mountains doing them. Um, but from there, it's just like the only sport. I never played team sports. I'm like, I suck at throwing balls and like anything like like that is embarrassing. But um, I've always just been drawn to the endurance thing. And I think also the mental part of it like um it's about to say it's it's nobody's yeah. out there with you it's you true and definitely when it comes to like training for an iron man i mean that's a huge mental i mean that's a whole another whole another mental battle than not doesn't even compare to high rocks you know like um it's, so, it's lonely so let me ask you along those lines let me ask you along those lines because you've done endurance sports your whole life you went through this valley, we'll say, this challenging season. You've now come out of it for a few years. You're having success in, in this new sport that's still in the endurance space. How do you, how has your self-talk during competitive environments changed over the years? Or have you always been really good about what goes on in your head in the middle of those races? I love that question. Um, so when I was in college and I was a skier, it, my self-talk was horrible. Um, and that ended up having me being like, I never want to ski again, but like my mindset, then I would learn about myself. Like as soon as I got negative in my head, there's no coming back and I would get negative. I'd be telling myself like, I don't deserve to be here. Um, and that was a very terrible feeling, especially when you have an endurance event. So you're for a long time, you, you are questioning yourself. Um, and then I got very burned out from that. I graduated in 2012, so I hadn't skied at all since then. Now, and, and I didn't miss it because I just couldn't handle like, um, I just didn't have any control over my mindset. Um, and then once I got back into competing and CrossFit now, so this is obviously collegiate sports are like I was much more competitive as a collegiate athlete. I was never like I was never at the regional level at all, even in CrossFit yep. either. So. Um, at that point is more so I had no pressure on myself. So I just learned to like, I just want to get cool pictures and hang out with my friends. And then, um, same thing with when I got into back in the half, the half Ironman, um, and especially after getting sober, like my whole purpose changed and it was no longer about the result. It was about finishing it. Um, and I was so burned out from my college like from skiing in college that I was like, I never want to feel that way again. I never want to feel forced to do something. I never want to hate working out. I never want to hate training. I never want to hate racing. Like I would, I would dread racing. And so that's how I kind of developed my, like, I'm only going to do things I love. Um, and kind of ironically over like 11 years later, now that we moved back up to Chicago, I'm within driving distance of snow, um, and elevation. So, uh, I actually got back into skiing last year and did, if anyone has heard of the Berkey, that's a long shot, but it's the biggest ski race in North America, but it's a 50 K race in Northern Wisconsin. And so I actually did it last year, um, after not skiing for 11 years. And so that was really exciting for me to like have a new mindset and to be able to do this. And just for the context, 50 kilometers, um, it took me three and a half hours. So it's not like, it's not crazy. Um, but it's still a mental, you know, uh, yeah. it's definitely, I, I had to coach and train myself that 
don't ever let your mind get into that negative headspace. And then still training alone with mindset, I have to tell myself it's supposed to hurt and just keep moving forward. And, um, yeah, I mean, and don't let yourself get negative. Like if you start telling yourself you suck or you, or you don't deserve to be there, then it's going to be a terrible experience and you have to be grateful for your body and your fitness. And that again, goes back to like my sobriety and like appreciating my life and just being able to take every event as a celebration of fitness. Cause you never know, like, um, for me, it was addiction, but for someone else, like if they were a cancer survivor or, um, like, I don't know if any of us, you don't, you're not promised anything. So I think that learning to be able to celebrate your body and use high rocks as an example is like your celebration of like what you can do that has to be your mindset or else it'll be a miserable existence. And like, I would hate to have, I could never be at a level where my performance would affect my happiness because then it's just not fun anymore. So, um, and that's my biggest thing from before to now is like, it has to be something that is always positive in my mind. And I do it, do it for me and no one else. I love it. Well, and that's a, that's a beautiful way. It's a beautiful way to compete, right? You take responsibility for the work you do, the training you do, but you separate who you are, your value from the, the outcome because you don't control the outcome, right? There's right. anything can happen. There's other race. There's all sorts of that. And so there's, there's a freeingness to that. Um, my current gym owner, uh, laughs at me because when we did the high rocks, uh, performance test, they bounced in at our gym, um, to, to the Dallas folks popped in, he was in the last heat and he was on the wall balls and he was just like, his face said, I want to be anywhere, but here. And I, I go over, I was like, make yourself smile. He's like, what? I was like, make yourself smile. I was like, it hurts. But I was like, you get to do this. Your gym's watching you like it's an opportunity. And so now when we do classes together and like you get on the Airdyne bike and I'm like, dude, this is going to smile. This is going to suck. But guess what? We get to do it. And so he always laughs. He's like, damn it, Jake. He's like, "Okay." (laughs) so like we have that feeling of like, listen, I know this is going to hurt. But I also remember a few years ago, I couldn't do this tore my Achilles or like how lucky are we to get to do that? And so I always focus on that. And that was one thing in high rocks where I knew I'm not prepared for this physically. I haven't been training. So the whole time I'm going through it, I'm like, I'm enjoying this. And there's a lot of people here watching that wish they could be doing this. They wish they had signed up. Exactly, for it. They wish they'd exactly, been on Exactly. Exactly. And that's so true. Cause there are people out there and they're like, and that's another thing too, is like what I tell people, I'm like, you're inspiring your family and your friends and all the spectators too. Like, that is something it's huge to be able to like to have the ball to get out there and do that. Um, what you were saying just then reminded me like kind of what I was telling myself um, when I race is my like mantra. I was like, you love this shit. And to remind myself, you love this because even on my last set, like every time I hit that 90th wall ball and I have 10 left, I'm like, enjoy this. Like, remember this moment, enjoy it because it's about to be over. And like, you have to learn to like love the, um, the, the, the highs and lows of the, the race itself. And no, and and, and I was about to say any, any competition. And to your point, like when I was on wall balls, one, I had you barking at me, but I had, it was funny. The guys next to me, anytime I saw them drop, 
I was like, I got to get a couple more reps. Like I'm going to love this more than they do. And Mm -hmm. that's that competitive side of like, enjoy the moment, but also like, Hey, you can do hard things. It it can burn and you can still go forward. And, And those are the things, honestly, those are the things that help us in life. And it's no surprise the change in how you talk to yourself, how you look at performance, considering the journey you've been on and how you really compete out of a sense of gratitude more than anything, which ironically or not ironically, which not surprisingly helps performance. The more we perform and operate out of gratitude, the actual better we do. Um, And so I really appreciate you just kind of being transparent and vulnerable with us and sharing, sharing a lot of that. Lauren, for anyone listening that wants to learn more, follow along with you, you also do some programming. Uh, You do fitness training. You have an everyday badass program. Give us a little bit of a snapshot of who that's for. uh, And then where's the best place to follow you online and connect with you? Perfect. Yeah. So um, I'm just launching my, I'm calling it the hybrid formula. So um, I had been writing our, I've been running the Academy with Hyrox and writing their programming for years and um, programming for that. But now I really do get inspired by the everyday person out there on the course or the everyday person that um, is doing this for themselves. That's what I'm calling it every day. It's the everyday badass is like what's inspiring me. So that's the person that um, they have a full-time job. They have, they could have kids, a family, other obligations, but they still make the priority to get out there and do it. And they believe in themselves enough to be able to work out five days a week. So I developed a program um, with five different types of workouts within one week that will be balanced and prepare you in general for um or general fitness, or if you want to lead up to a race, I have like a periodized plan as well. So, um, I'm just actually like officially launching that right about around now I've, I've kind of done a soft launch on Instagram, but, um, yeah, you can find more information on my Instagram. So it's just my name. So it's Lauren dot Rantala, L A U R E N dot R A N T A L A. And then in there, there's more information on my online training program. Um, and and yeah, what else? Is that everything? I mean, I think that's it. I think that's yeah. it. This is uh this has been fun. Glad we glad we got to jam. We talked about jamming before uh, I know. the last. Obviously, High Rocks didn't get to make it happen. And then I was like, hey, let's just throw the mics on and record. And so uh really appreciate you coming on the show this week. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.